All right, hello, welcome back to Unqualified Analysis. The week, I guess it's three in the NFL, that, that one-week discrepancy between college and the NFL as far as like what week it is, it just... It just it perplexes me sometimes because I'm a simple-minded fellow. But uh, we are here for the NFL episode, week three edition of the NFL. Uh, got a bunch of stuff to get to. A lot of a lot of blowouts this week. Not a great week of games, quite frankly, outside of the uh, the Vikings Chargers game, which we'll get to that sadness here at some point. It's you know, if you if you watch Sunday, you know it wasn't good. So I'll just I'll leave it at that for now. Um, before we get into the NFL, though, I got a little bit of update from college. Seemed like something I probably shouldn't wait until Tuesday to address, just so, you know, you'll have some complete information. Uh, starting quarterback for Texas A&M, uh, talked about Connor Wegman, that is. Talked about him getting hurt in last week's win over whoever the hell they beat the hell out of last week. It was Auburn, I think, right? Yeah, I think they beat Auburn like 27 to 10 or something like that. Wegman got hurt in that game. Turns out he broke a bone in his foot or something along those lines to where um, regardless of what the actual injury is, it's in the foot, and he's going to be out for the rest of the season. That's been confirmed by a couple different sources now. So it'll be Max Johnson for Texas A&M going forward. That absolutely stinks for Texas A&M. Wegman was starting to round into one of the best quarterbacks in the entire conference, and um, not having him in there is going to hurt. We'll have to see what Max Johnson does. Um, former transfer from, I believe he was at LSU for uh, a period of time. He's now with, with Texas A&M now. We'll have to see what that offense looks like with him at quarterback. Um, that's a tough loss for Texas A&M, though. Tough loss. Hard to see them coming out of the West uh, with Max Johnson as starting quarterback instead of Connor Wegman. But there you go. There's the, uh, there's the college football update for you. With that, uh, let's just get into the NFL, shall we? All right. We are just going to go down the list chronologically here. Um, first and foremost in the Thursday night, we'll just breeze right past this for the most part. Pretty much exactly what we thought happened, uh, thought would happen, did happen. Uh, 49ers came in there and just, just drugged the Giants. I mean, it was 30-12. to It didn't feel like a 30-12 to game. It felt like the, the 49ers could have scored 50 in this game. They just let off the gas down the stretch in this one. I mean, Brock Purdy had over 300 yards. Two touchdowns, excuse me. Christian McCaffrey somehow only had 85 yards. I think he had some more through the air as well, though. He was dominant in this game. Debo Samuel had 129 yards in the day. They just dominated, absolutely dominated. And we got that under by the skin of our teeth. 500 a week, 2-2. Two and two. One of those two wins was uh, this game, though. Other one being Washington. Of course, absolute buzzsaw in the college football ranks. But that was that was the last episode. That was Tuesday's episode back on the NFL. Um, Yeah, 49ers 3-0. They're still looking like the best team in the NFC, maybe the best team in the entire league at this point. Nothing has changed on that front. Uh, Giants still searching for answers. Still, They're kind of uh, regressing back to the mean a little bit. They're 1-2 and two now. Their two losses came in emphatic fashion. I mean, just getting drugged by the Cowboys and the 49ers. Barely eked one out against the Cardinals. Uh, Giants, especially in that division, it's going to be a tough road to the playoffs for them, a really tough road uh, to the playoffs. Uh, 13 straight wins for the 49ers, though. They are on an absolute roll, but let's just keep it moving from there. This one's actually kind of shocking to me. I thought the, the Titans would keep it close. They got absolutely mauled by the Browns in this game. I mean, Deshaun Watson, uh, outside of that one fumble where he just forgot where he was at a whirly gig in, 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 I mean, in the grasp of someone as, as he was tackling him, I, I don't know what he was thinking, if he thought he was throwing it forward or what. He straight up just threw a pass backwards. 
that's some that's like a, a, a college level mistake right there. So that's 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 good times. That's uh, that's that's Deshaun Watson in twenty twenty three forty, I guess. But outside of that one play. Credit where it's due, the nasty man had a good game in this one. I mean, 289, uh, two scores, no interceptions. Um, still searching for answers in the backfield. Only 27 yards um, strong. I don't know who that is. But strong game from strong, only 27 yards. Uh, so that's not great. But 27-3, to they absolutely just strangled the Titans. That Cleveland defense, I mean, Jim Schwartz coming in has been an absolute revelation for that Browns defense. They've, all, they've always had the pieces there over the last several years. I mean, they got stars up and down that roster. I mean, obviously being the linchpin, Miles Garrett over there, who's just an absolute freak. Um, there was a there was a point in this game, ob the obvious game plan for protection for the Titans was uh, to have two tight ends follow Miles Garrett to whatever side of the formation that he was on. And Miles Garrett obviously saw that and just kept, on one snap in particular, just kept switching sides and having the having the the tight ends follow him, and he did that until the Titans got a delay of game. That that's how afraid the Titans were of what Miles Garrett could do in this game. And uh, yeah, that, that's the that's the type of impact he has. And that's like not the only player they got on defense. They got all sorts of guys just making uh, plays after plays. Miles Garrett, even with that game plan in place, Miles Garrett still had three and a half sacks in this one. Just unstoppable. Five QB hits on the day. Uh, Jeremiah Wusu koromoa got a tackle for loss. I mean, as a team, the Cleveland Browns had nine tackles for loss and five sacks in this game. Just utter dominance on the defensive side of the ball. And uh, it was it was a long, long day for the Titans. The Titans absolutely stink. Just not, not good at all. Um, and the Browns that might be rounding into the best uh, the best team in the AFC North at this moment. The Ravens looked shaky this past week. Steelers, until you get a different offensive coordinator, I'm gonna have a tough time believing. In, even with how spectacular that defense is on the other side, um, the the Bengals, Joe Burrow hobbled. We'll get to him uh, towards the end of the episode. Um, they haven't looked fantastic this year at all. They they just had to eke one out on Monday night to to avoid an 0-3 start. The Browns, I mean, for once, the Browns might be the cream of the crop in this division right now. That's not something we've been able to say for quite some time. It's only three weeks in, so this is definitely subject to change, and not having Nick Chubb is going to catch up to them at some point uh, with the way they, they play offense, but for right now, the Cleveland Browns are absolutely rolling right now. They get a win over the Titans 27-3. And uh, you know what, folks? This is this is what I get for not plugging in the Ethernet cable. I just I didn't feel like going over and doing the whole rigmarole, you know, unplugging this here, unplugging that there. I got a you know little peek behind the curtain. I got to go get a an Ethernet cable from my room, which is just 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 over yonder way. But I have to unplug it from my PlayStation, unplug it from the wall over there, take it over to this room, plug it into the wall, uh, feed it into this this little closet of shame over here, and then plug it into my laptop. And I uh, just couldn't be asked to do that. And uh, my reward is I tried to get back to the to the scoreboard on the ESPN website, and it's still loading for me. That's just, life is pain, folks. Uh, life is pain. So, I mean, I, I guess since I'm just sitting here waiting, and we're just, we're on to the one o'clock games anyways, um, I'll just, I'll just, I'll talk about one that I can just think of off the top of my head. Um, well, actually, it's starting to pull up here, but it's it's too late. All right, guys, I'm gonna start talking about uh, the one off the top of my head. I mean, 
most notable, I mean, it was an absolute blowout. Have you ever seen a team in the NFL score 20 points and get beat by 50? Well, if you're a Broncos fan, you just witnessed that on, uh, on, on Sunday afternoon. I mean, the Dolphins could not be stopped. 70 points on the day. Raheem Mostert, I think, had... Uh, two touchdowns, uh, two or four touchdowns. No, no, no. Devon A-Chain was the one with four total touchdowns. Raheem Mostert had, I think he might have also had four. I mean, the running backs went absolutely wild in this one. Tua was out of his mind. Tyree Kill was unstoppable. And even without Jalen Waddle in there, uh, they scored 70 points in the Broncos defense. You want to talk about a regression from last year. That Broncos defense has just looked absolutely hapless thus far this year and the offense isn't good enough to get them wins on the other side of this thing that that Denver Broncos team might be rougher than I anticipated I think they'll probably round into form towards the end of the season but that defense is a problem that, it, quite clear to me that Ajiro Rivera was the MVP of that team last year the obviously the defensive coordinator now for the Carolina Panthers was the defensive coordinator with the Broncos last year. He seemed to be the guy that was holding that whole thing together and keeping it semi-respectable throughout the course of last season. Even with Patrick Sertain still in there, they have just not looked good at all this this past year. And it is uh, it's it's a tough road to hoe for them. A tough road to hoe, especially when you're facing an offense like the Miami Dolphins with a play caller and Mike McDaniel that. I mean, short of Kyle Shanahan, I think Kyle Shanahan is the number one play caller with a bullet in the NFL. It's, I mean, it, it's hard to surpass what Kyle Shanahan has done. He's really the offensive genius that really Mike McDaniel came from that tree of offensive genius. But right behind Kyle Shanahan, Mike McDaniel might be the best play caller in the entire league. He has been just really, really good this year. I thought he had some some holes in his strategy throughout the course of last year, obviously hampered by not having Tua Tonga-Vailoa in the, in the lineup consistently. This year, he has absolutely come out and just lit the world on fire. I think the world of him, I think he's been able to uh, mix in the running game a lot better this year, been able to take advantage of what he's got in the backfield. Now, Devon A-Chain, or A-Chan, I fucking hate. I, I'm going to... You know, until I get corrected again, I'm going to call him A-Chain for now because Devon A-Chain is a fantastic name. Uh, A-Chan, man, that, I mean, it's it sounds a little bit close to A-Chan, which you can go you can go look up for your... Well, actually, don't go look it up. A-Chan is where bad people go. A-Chan is for bad people who want to do bad things and uh, look up uh, CD stuff. Don't go to A-Chan, folks. Do not go to A-Chan. It, it may be... Uh, twice the number of 4chan, it's it's not twice the site. It, it's twice the badness of the site, but it's, it's not good. Don't go to 8chan, and uh, I don't like calling 8chan by that name just because it sounds too much like 8chan, quite frankly. And uh, that is all to say, though, um, in, a, in a roundabout way, he's absolutely spectacular. I mean, over 200 yards on the ground in this one, four touchdowns in the day, like I said. I mean, Tua was out of his mind. Even Mike White came into the game and, and threw a long touchdown to, to Chosen Anderson or Robbie Chosen. Who the hell cares? He's a practice squad wide receiver. He's only only in the lineup because Jalen Waddle was out for this one, so I don't I don't necessarily uh you know care. Um, but 70 points in this one. I mean, the most points in like I mean 50 years, 60 years at this point almost. Just a, a fantastic day for the Dolphins. Dolphins are 3-0. They're facing off against the Bills this next week, and that's going to be an absolute dandy of a game. Can't wait for that one. Broncos got some stuff to figure out. Uh, Dolphins are looking like maybe the best team in the entire league right now. It's early, but 
through three weeks, they have looked more dominant than anyone else uh, on the field of play. Uh, what else we got? Ah, yes, Falcons. Um, you know, I put my own harder money on that over 46 for the uh, the Falcons versus Lions, and uh, I lost pretty spectacularly. The Lions just dominated this one, 20 to six. Uh, they're looking like the best team in that division in the NFC North right now. They lose C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Doesn't matter. Desmond Ritter stinks. There, there's no two ways about it. Desmond Ritter is just not good. Not, not going to cut it if you want to uh, go on a bit of a playoff run here. I still think the Falcons have the best team in the NFC South, but with Desmond Ritter at quarterback, that's just... Just not going to get the job done, unfortunately, folks. Not going to get the job done. Also, while I'm thinking about it, uh, if you see a little little thing sticking out of the side of my neck today, it's because um, I went to the doctor, uh, had what I thought was a uh, little peek behind the curtain here. I'm just you know revealing medical information while willy-nilly. Uh, you know, thought it was a sebaceous cyst. Turns out it was something called a fibroma. So you know, that's good. That's good. Not not like you know. I don't know what it is, quite frankly. It's just, you know, it's it's, it's a fibroma. Uh, mostly benign. Not really bothering me too much, but, you know, got cut out of my neck, so I got the Band-Aid with the worst adhesive of all time uh, stuck to my neck. And every once in a while, or really most of the time, because the adhesive right here where I'm feeling is just basically gone, um, it just it just you know, peels up off my neck and it looks fucking weird on camera. So I apologize for that. There's not a there's not a parasite stuck to my neck. No, no, not at all. Uh, just a band aid. Just a band aid that I gotta replace at some point. And um, yeah, that's you know all I'm willing to reveal about my medical history right now. All right. So uh, with that said. I don't know how I got off on that tangent other than to, you know, just make sure everyone knows that there's not a parasite attached to my neck. But uh, the Falcons, they just looked, they looked bad on Sunday. Uh, Bijan Robinson got bottled up. It's a lot easier to, to defend against Bijan when you don't got a real threat in the passing game, quite frankly. Um, but he got bottled up. Jared Goff had a long touchdown to Sam Laporta, who is looking very, very good this year. Really, all of the draft picks that uh, the Lions went out and got, they got I mean, a little bit much maligned for them. I mean, the Jameer Gibbs at number 12, uh, Jack Campbell in the first round as well, uh, all of them. I mean, even Brian Branch in the second round, Sam Laporte. Really, it seems like every single one of those picks hit. They're all playing really, really well. They're all flying around out there. And uh, especially on that defensive side of the ball, you're seeing a market improvement from the last several seasons for the Detroit Lions. And uh, they might be living up to preseason billing. They have, they might be the best team in the NFC North. What does that mean in the, in the playoff hunt? I think they probably go as far as Jared Goff will take them. At some point here, after week six, I believe it is, uh, they're going to get um, Jamison Williams back, the speedster on the outside. Uh, they're still, I mean, you add Sam Laporta in there, and that helps, but they're still kind of thin behind Amon Ross St. Brown out there. So Jamison Williams is going to help. Jared Goff will take them. Um, Jared Goff is going to be the ceiling on this team, quite frankly. I think they're going to... They're, they're not as good as the 49ers. They're on that, not in that upper echelon, but I think they're good enough to win the division, host a playoff game when it's all said and done. Um, only three weeks in, but the Lions have looked really good thus far. Um, Saints just coughed one up against the Packers. They were up. They were controlling this game. I think it was 17-0 at one point. I mean, heading into halftime, it was 17-0, and then just a, a goose egg on the scoreboard in the second half. Derek Carr went down with a shoulder injury. That's an AC joint sprain. So he'll be week to week, as Dennis Allen, the head coach for the New Orleans Saints, said. Um, 
The Packers on the other side, though, Jordan Love, really just in the fourth quarter alone, uh, came back and looked good doing it. There were there were some hilarious plays throughout this for Jordan Love. There's no no two ways about it. Uh, he did the splits trying to throw downfield on one pass and just looked utterly lost for a few other passes. But ultimately, I mean, came out there, had some clutch plays, and just won this game down the stretch. And in Lambeau, to do that in front of the home crowd, have a comeback like that, I mean, that's, that's one way to announce your presence uh, for Green Bay. Uh, a gutsy, gutsy win for the Green Bay Packers. An absolute rock fight of a day. Got to feel bad for that Saints defense. For three quarters, they just they put up an absolute shutout. And in the fourth quarter, it just kind of all fell to pieces. You got no point support from, from the offense for the Saints. Jameis Winston looks like, you know... Jameis Winston, that's that's about the best uh, the best way I can describe it right now. Jameis is a one of one, and not necessarily in the ways that you would like, uh, unfortunately. But uh, in that second half, just wasn't enough to cut it. Packers come out there, get the 18-17 win on that that torrid fourth quarter comeback uh, for Jordan Love and the boys. Right behind the Lions, I would say, by default, based on who the the bottom two teams in the in the NFC North are, they are right behind the Lions as this year for uh, competing at the top of the NFC North. Um, and I think they're like just a shade behind the Lions. I don't think they're that far off. I think overall, a fairly comparable roster. Might even be a little bit better personnel on the defensive side of the ball. Just you know. Don't trust Joe Barry. What else is new, though? That's just kind of how things have been over the last couple years, and they've just kept Joe Barry around there with the Packers. So I think the ceiling on the Packers is probably Joe Barry. How about that? Uh, I don't think it's Jordan Love. I think Jordan Love is a good enough uh, passer to come out there and uh, get you some get you some good plays. I think he might be in a, in a weaker overall NFC, might be right in line for either the division or, or a a playoff berth in the shape of a wild card berth. So you know, good good start for the Packers. It's only three weeks in though. Can't make a whole lot of uh, definitive statements just yet. But I think they're all right. I think they're an all right team. Uh, let's cue the Sarah McLaughlin. Uh, the Chargers and the Vikings played, and it was bad. It was not good. I mean, it was a good game. It was a it was a fantastic game. If you're an uninvested observer, um, me as a Vikings fan, it just just tear my heart out. Kalima, Kalima, you know, just just sacrifice me to the ancient gods of the Aztecs. Um, that's that's how it felt whenever this game was getting towards the end. Hell, you got a let's go Brandon for me on Twitter because Brandon Staley decided to go for it on fourth and one uh, at the at the Chargers 24 on his own 24 yard line. Decided to go for it on fourth and one. Uh, doesn't get it, so the Vikings get. Fantastic field position. Uh, just a couple, I mean, a shade over a minute remaining. Uh, goes right down to the goal line. I think it comes up to fourth and goal, I want to say it was. Like right at the end of the game. And uh, it harmlessly falls incomplete. I think it might have even been an interception at that. Just a, just a terrible, terrible outing for the Vikings. I think they lost another fumble or two in this one. I mean, they are just losing fumbles at an alarming rate, uh, the Minnesota Vikings. And on the other side... The Chargers just faced a team that wanted to lose more, quite frankly. And the Chargers tried. They tried so hard to lose this one. But on the other side, when you get a literal, uh, a, what should have been an interception of Justin Herbert, goes through the defensive back's hands, bounces up, ends up in the receiver's hands for a touchdown, just terrible. Just, just absolutely awful. Uh, credit where it's due, though. Keenan Allen had a, get this, 
18 receptions, 215 yards, and a passing touchdown. Uh, that, that's a wild stat line there for Keenan Allen, and he's going to get a whole lot more work now because uh, Mike Williams tore his ACL in this one. So they're going to need rookie first-round pick Quentin Johnston to step up. Um, has not really – he's been a no-show for pretty much this entire season thus far. He's going to be featured prominently now that Mike Williams is out, I would say, and we're going to find out a lot about him. Was not able to pick him up on my fantasy team. Uh, your condolences would be appreciated, but I'll digress on that front. Um, Justin Herbert, he was like 40 for 47 in this one, 400 yards, three touchdowns. He was fantastic. Uh, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I think it's pretty it's it's pretty unanimous at this point. If you don't think Justin Herbert is at the very worst a top 10 quarterback in this league, pushing top five, if not right in the mix for that top five, you're just a hater at this point. Justin Herbert is a spectacular player. Um, the Chargers, their defense is terrible. Brandon Staley is still probably a dead man walking, but uh, he bought himself an, another couple extra weeks, uh, barring any insanely bad coaching decisions, which is, you know, it's, it's always something that could happen. Um, but at, on the Vikings side, man, this just isn't, it's not going to be the year. I mean, they're 0-3, uh, so duh, probably not going to make the playoffs at this point. Uh, could they go on a, on a win streak here, reel off some wins? Sure, but the schedule is just, it's a murderer's row going forward right now. And I would pull it up on the laptop if I was sure that I could reload the scoreboard uh, super quickly. But I'm not sure of that, so I'm not going to pull up the Viking schedule. Just trust me, it's, it's a murderer's row from, from here on out. Got tough divisional games. Uh, well, we're facing the Broncos this week. So one of those 0-3 teams is walking away with a win today. Sir. Well, is it? No, we're facing the Panthers, actually. So ka-ching. Ka-ching, one of those 0-3 teams is going to walk out with a win, and my overconfidence basically just doomed my Vikings to an 0-4 start. I'm okay with that. I'm not okay with that. I'm dying inside between uh, Mississippi State and the Vikings, but you know what? I'm just going to smile through the pain. I'm just going to smile through the pain here, people. Um, but as far as what ails the Vikings, I mean, it's, it's clear. It's, I mean, we've got no defensive tackles. I mean, I saw... <laughs> I mean, it is uh, analytics that I don't understand, so I'm I'm hesitant to call them uh, reliable. But it was basically just like a, a pass rush win rate um, combined with like a, a blocking win rate stat, and Patrick Jones and DJ Wanham, two starting or ro or high rotational level players. Uh, for the Vikings in the, in the interior were just all on their own in the bottom of that graphic. They've been terrible this year. Um, Marcus Davenport, what else is new? He's not been healthy all year pretty much um, outside of that. Uh, you still got the Neil Hunter there. That's nice. Ivan Pace looks good, but the secondary, it's basically just Byron Murphy and a bunch of dudes at this point. Uh, Andrew Booth and Lewis Seen, I mean, put on an APB, put them on the milk cart. I don't know where the hell those guys are. Uh, that first draft for Quasi Adolfo Mensa is looking like an absolute wash at this point. Uh, they've been... I mean, just bad. I mean, I can't even say they've been bad. They've just not been on the field. And sure, part of it is not Lewis Seen's fault. He snapped his leg in London last year. It hasn't really been the same since. But Andrew Booth, you knew the health concerns about him coming out of college, and you still drafted him, and he hasn't been on the field at all. Been, I mean, unhealthy all of last year. I think he's healthy now, just not on the field because he's not good enough. And in this secondary, with how bad the corners have been uh, throughout the year outside of Byron Murphy, 
for Andrew Booth to not be playing, that's a that's a, a stark indictment of uh, of what the what the coaching staff thinks of him. Um, Brian Flores, God bless his heart, I think he's doing a better job than what Ed Donatell was doing last year. We're not just sitting back there in vanilla and just letting teams pick us apart, but. Even with like the the mixture of, of blitzes, the the crazy personnel groups we got running in there, even with all of that creativity, they're still getting absolutely diced up. He's doing the best job he can, but it's just it's simply not enough. I mean, the defense can't stop anybody. We can't hold on to a ball to save our lives on offense. Bright side, we're able to run the ball in this one, but the Chargers have one of the worst rushing defense in one one of the worst rushing defenses in the entire league right now. So. Take that with a grain of salt, I suppose. Alexander Madison, 93 yards, though, so good for him. Four and a half yards per carry and some change, so that's, you know, clap it up, clap it up. We're doing we're doing good there, I suppose, but the offense is really, really good. That, no criticisms at all on offense outside of maybe hoping they run the ball, and also that interior of the offensive line is an abject disaster. Just a, I mean, Bradbury's injured. Ezra Cleveland's got slow feet. Ed Ingram, same sort of problems. No one can pass block. Uh, the running game's not been awesome. The, I mean, when you got Christian Derrissaw and Brian O'Neill, it's it, the floor is only so low. It's a one of the better tackle groups in the league, but that interior is just garbage right now. Just absolutely garbage. Uh, this is not a playoff team. It's not even close to a playoff team. We can't stop anybody. Um, offense is good, but we can't run when we need to. Can't hold on to the ball. It's just, it's bad. It's all bad all around. And um, if I were a little bit more cynical fan, I'd be like, hey, maybe maybe you should trade Kirk Cousins over to the Jets or something, get an extra second or first round pick, whatever you can get out of him, and then just, you know, tank for Caleb, baby. You know, <laughs> just just kill yourself for Caleb. That's that's all you can really do. I mean, a, a name after my own heart, if you will. Um, I don't think we're going to get up to that number one overall pick, though, and there's so many good quarterback prospects in this draft. There's so, so many good quarterback prospects in this draft. I think we're going to be just far enough out of the playoffs to where, you know, maybe fringe top 10 sort of team in this draft, um, maybe just outside the top 10. Even with that, I think either one of those prospects is going to drop to us or we're going to have enough ammo to move up uh, into the top 10 and go get a guy that I, I don't think you should hit the full tank button right now. I think we're going to do just a fine enough job on our own uh, to get a quarterback prospect that Kwesi Adofo Mensa uh, feels good about. There's there's enough guys in this draft to go around. That that's all I'm saying right now. Um, yeah, it's just going to be it's going to be one of those seasons, folks. It's going to be one of those seasons where the Vikings just absolutely uh, tear my heart out every single Sunday. And it's just, really, if you want to cue the Sarah McLaughlin, cue it for Mississippi State, because they're going to be just god-awful this year. Uh, figure some things out on offense, but that defense is so, so bad. And uh, with that depression over, let's... Let's, let's transition over to someone else's depression. I'm talking about the Jets right now. Zach Wilson sucks. He is so, so bad. I mean, what else is new? I mean, the, the Jets should be on the phone right now with the Panthers, um, the Commanders, and even the Vikings trying to trying their best to sweet talk the Vikings into into trading Kirk Cousins or Jacoby Brissett or Andy Dalton, any one of those three, they need to get one of those guys in the building right this second. If you are the New York Jets, because right now Zach Wilson is not it. Um, and yes, it is the Patriots who have been 
um, the subject of Zach Wilson's nightmares ever since he came into the league, but he has not looked good against really anybody. And you can fool yourself into thinking that he's he's good just based on like you know garbage time stats, playing prevent defenses, and you know getting away with some some reckless throws down the stretch there, but. He ain't it, and everyone who watches the game knows that. Every Jets fan knows that. They'd known that before the season. They certainly know that now. The Patriots on the other side didn't look fantastic, but they were facing a fantastic Jets defense on the other side, so you got to cut them a little bit of slack. Uh, Mac Jones out there firing up the troops, just grabbing balls on the other side. Sauce Gardner uh, accused Mac Jones of either sack-tapping him or grabbing him by the nuts um, on, on after a play. Um, granted, you know, it's it was a retaliatory strike. Mac Jones got body slammed by, by um, was it C.J. Mosley? Just a, a wild, wild sequence of events there. You know, rivalries, things get heated sometimes. C.J. Mosley body slammed Mac Jones. Uh, Mac Jones retaliated by getting a cup full of uh, Sauce Gardner's balls in his hands. Gave him a good fondle and a squeeze and then uh, went on his merry way. Um, just just saying hello. That's, that's how Mac Jones says hello, I suppose. What? What an asshole that guy! What an absolute asshole that guy! But you know what? You got got to respect the hustle, I suppose. That's kind of that's kind of all he's got. It feels like Mac Jones, maybe maybe not long for the Patriots. I don't see that as a guy that uh, that old Billy B is going to try and extend at the end of his rookie deal. Uh, looked better with with Bill O'Brien thus far, but still not what you want from a starting NFL quarterback at this point. Man, what what could have been if Mac Jones went to, uh, say, I don't know, the San Francisco 49ers at number three in that draft instead of dropping to the, to the New England Patriots? We'll never know, but man, with what Brock Purdy is doing in that San Francisco 49ers defense, if Mac Jones was there, we know... If nothing else, Mac Jones may not have the best physical tools in the world, but mentally he is he is really, really smart, really good at just digesting information and diagnosing defenses. If he was in if he was in that San Francisco 49ers offense, he might look like one of the best quarterbacks in the league right now, but goes to the Patriots looking like he does now. Didn't throw interception, but didn't really light up the scoreboard either. Uh, Zeke Elliott, by the way, five yards per carry in this one. He not, might actually have a little bit of juice left in the tank, but just a sad, sad, sloppy game. I mean, the over-under was like 36 and a half, and they hit that under by a mile. I mean, 25 total points between the teams. This is just, ooh, excuse me, old-school NFL football. Patriots come out on top, and the Jets are just searching for answers. Like I said, they should be on the phone with every team that has a high-quality backup. Hell, even the Colts, for that matter, with the way Gardner Minshew played versus the Ravens this week, I don't think the Colts are going to give them up just because who knows what the health of Anthony Richardson holds in store throughout the course of this season with the way he plays football. But, I mean, give all those teams a call and try like hell to get one of those, those you know, average, just above-average backups onto your team. If you can get Jacoby Brissett on your squad, you need to do that every single time uh, if you can. Uh, Jets, you can't stay pat. Right? I think for next week's game, um, Zach Wilson is still probably the guy that you're going to be looking to uh, to lead the team. The week after that, if they were to somehow acquire a quarterback this week, any one of those guys I just mentioned, whether it be, I mean, certainly Kirk Cousins, um, almost said Mac Jones. They're not going to trade Mac Jones, um, especially not in, inside the division, but I digress on that front. Jacoby Brissett, Andy Dalton, Gardner Minshew, any one of those guys would do much better than what Zach Wilson is doing. Zach Wilson simply 
is not it, but let's just keep it moving from there. The Bills just ran the Commanders off the field. I mean, Sam Howell had four interceptions. Uh, Josh Allen still looked kind of shaky, but, I mean, Stephon Diggs certainly didn't. Gabe Davis had a long touchdown in this one. They just they ground the Commanders to dust in this game. Just ran all over that defense. They had no answers for anything the Bills were throwing at them. And uh, the Bills are starting to round into form now, especially going into this big-time interdivisional matchup with the Miami Dolphins this next week. Uh, you wanted a you wanted a big-time win like this. You got one. That's going to be a, a treat for everyone to watch. I, at, at 1 p.m., that should be a crime. At the very least, you put that at 4 p.m. so that it can be a national audience and so I can watch that live after halftime once I'm done with work. But... <sighs> 1 a.m. 1 p.m. That's just that's just criminal right there. That game should not be at 1 p.m. Especially when you got Jets Chiefs as the Sunday night game. Blech, just disgusting. They, they, and I know they can't technically flex games yet, but that's just that's a disgusting display of of TV programming right there. And I get it. It was supposed to be Aaron Rodgers versus Pat Mahomes for the first time in their careers, but that's just. That should be criminal. I mean, lock them up. Put them in jail right now. The Bills versus Dolphins should be a primetime game. I digress on that front. Let's keep it moving. The Texans, this was kind of a shocker. The Texans beat the Jaguars 37-17. to And C.J. Stroud, I mean, he looks like far and away, maybe not far and away because Anthony Richardson has looked okay, but he looks like very clearly the best quarterback in this past draft, a guy that I'd said coming into the draft that I, I was okay. I could understand why you take Bryce Young number one overall. If it were me, though, I would have taken C.J. Stroud, and he's showing you every single bit why uh, so far in this one. They just dominated the Jaguars, 37-17 to on the day. They get their first win. C.J. Stroud uh, goes 280 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. No interceptions, in fact, through the, through the first three games of the season. I think he he owns the streak for uh, most passing attempts without an interception. I think he broke Sam Bradford's record, I want to say it was. Um, he's looked every bit of, of, of the billing that he's lived up to. Uh, Tank Dell, by the way, the most ironically named um, guy in the entire league. Diminutive receiver, but five receptions, 145 yards, a touchdown. He has really exploded over the last two weeks and really rounded into form, uh, slotting in right behind Nico Collins as the number one receiver on that team, or as the number two receiver on that team, rather, excuse me. And, I mean, the Texans, and um, it's only three weeks in. We can't say anything definitively. But through the first three weeks, can we really say that the Jaguars are the best team in this division? I, they've come out here and the defense has not looked good. Uh, the offense has been, I mean, kind of short-circuity, not really living up to expectations. I mean, they, they scored a bunch of points versus the Colts in week one, but they've looked out of sync. Um Doug Peterson's not been calling plays over there. It's somebody else on the staff. Uh, does he take the reins here at some point and, and try to get this thing going? Who's to say? But right now, the Jaguars are looking sloppy. They're one and two through three games. And sure, they did face the Chiefs uh, last week. And I think that, that Chiefs defense, for once, for once in a blue moon, that Steve Spagnuolo defense did not start the season slow. They're playing really, really well, especially with the return of Chris Jones in the week that the Jaguars played him. It's understandable that you only score nine points, but nine points is simply not going to cut it, especially with the weapons that they have. Um, you're getting, uh, what's his name, Cam Robinson, I think, back after his four-week suspension uh, after this next week, so that'll help on the offensive line. Uh, Travis Etienne is still out there. Uh, Tank uh, Tank Bigsby is still a solid player as well. I mean, they're 
they got the pieces in place to still be good, and I think they should still win this division, but I just don't know if there's as much as much separation as I uh, expected there to be coming into this season. I expected the Jaguars to run away with this division, and uh, there you see. I mean, on the road, Texans go into the, to Jacksonville, get a win. Texans are feisty, man. I still don't think they're a playoff team, but they are a feisty, feisty team. Uh, a lot like a team we're going to talk about here in just a minute, the, uh, the Cardinals, but... Uh, Texans come out there getting a big-time win. Uh, D'Amico Ryan's getting the boys playing over there. Will Anderson's playing well. C.J. Stroud's looking like the best quarterback in this past draft class. Hey, the ceiling is the roof, as the great Michael Jordan once said. The ceiling is the roof. Um, on to Colts versus Ravens, and this was a this was a dandy of a game, quite frankly. The Ravens and Colts went to overtime at 19-19. Big defensive struggle in this one, and... Usually, if I tell you the final score is 22-19, ended up being a field goal competition, essentially, between Justin Tucker and Matt Gay, I think you would expect 100 times out of 100 that Justin Tucker's going to win that, but lo and behold, Matt Gay came out there and just put the game away. In, in overtime, gets the game-winning kick, beats Justin Tucker and the Ravens. Ravens offense, I mean, really not looking good in this game. Uh, Todd Munkin still trying to find the the groove there. I mean, they were out OBJ. Rashad Bateman's not healthy as well. It's basically just like Zay Flowers, Mark Andrews, and the boys out there. Um, the leading receiver in this game between both teams is Michael Pittman Jr. with nine receptions, 77 yards. So help my fantasy team. That should tell you uh, just about how good uh, the Ravens were on the other side. It was just not a. It was. A, it's been a sloppy start to the season. And sure, this is their first loss, but. They've looked, they've gotten a rocky start off here. It's only three weeks in, like I've said a million times in this podcast, but I don't know. You, you got to be a little bit worried, especially in how, with such a, a tight division up there with the AFC North. I, I think they're just a shade behind the, the Browns at this point for uh, being at the top of that division. Um, maybe not record-wise, but play-wise, the Browns have been playing better than just about anyone else in that division uh, to this point. And uh, Ravens got some stuff to, to make up right now. They, I mean, Lamar Jackson's got to round into form. I assume at some point it's all going to click a little bit, especially getting OBJ back in there. Will certainly help whenever he gets back uh, in the lineup, but... Got some stuff to figure out over there in Baltimore. Defense still looks good. You just got to round the offense into form. I mean, the, the deluge of injuries over there certainly has not helped. Uh, so it seems like year after year that's the story for the Ravens. Hopefully they get healthier as the season goes on because they are, they're fun to watch when they are healthy. And I think that offense should round into form as the season goes on. Uh, Panthers, they go into Seattle and uh, the Seahawks hang, hang 37 on them. Um, Shockingly enough, Andy Dalton still looking good. I think he put on a good audition for the Jets uh, to go out there and trade for him. But with Bryce Young not being healthy, it seems like that's uh, that's that's a distant possibility of them uh, picking up Andy Dalton in this one, um, but or in this season rather. But zero and three, the Panthers they lose thirty seven to twenty seven. Geno Smith bounces back. Kenneth Walker had a big time game, just short of a hundred yards, two touchdowns. Adam Thielen, I mean, credit where it's due, the former Viking had himself a hell of a game for the Panthers. I mean, 11 receptions, 145 yards and a touchdown. Andy Dalton, by the way, 360 and two touchdowns of his own. Sure, he threw the ball 50 times, but, I mean, 360 with no interceptions. You are slinging the ball, sir. You are absolutely slinging the ball. Downright serviceable, like he was all last season and the season before. He's just a, a downright serviceable quarterback and a guy that I think the Jets could really need. So, I mean, just, you know, just, just putting that out there uh, once again. 
Panthers are now 0-3, though. They're heading into a matchup with the Vikings next week. Something's got to something's gotta give. Something's got to give, my man. One of these teams has to come out here and win a game. It is, it's just part of the reality of sports. There's a winner and there's a loser, and one of the, these two losers is going to have to win next week. So hopefully it's the Vikings. If it's the Panthers, I might cry. It, it is what it is. Might just be time to focus on who we're going to draft this next year. Woo-hoo! Let's go. Um... Yeah, Seahawks, after that that rough start to the season, getting blown out by the Rams, they've now won two straight. Uh, they're 2-1 and one now, still looking like a threat in that NFC uh, West. With the 49ers in their division, though, I think the best they can hope for is probably a wild card spot, though. The, the 49ers are a juggernaut. Like I said, I think probably the best team in the entire league right now. And that's a league that has Patrick Mahomes. Uh, speaking of Patrick Mahomes, um, he just absolutely destroyed the Bears, dismantled them, 41-10, to 10, uh, the final score in that one, uh, Justin Fields, if you rode with me on that, uh, that um, over in the rushing prop, you lost, just like I did, unfortunately, but uh, 41-10 to 10 being the final score, Taylor Swift at this game, as you know, you may have heard, you, you may have heard that Travis Kelsey is dating Taylor Swift, they were seen together after the game, uh, the injection of the Swifties into the football Twitter, I thought I'd hate it. It's actually just hilarious. It's, I mean, I mean, it could be annoying if you were so inclined. It's just, I'm a guy that likes to, you know, there's only so much you can do for insane people. And sometimes all you can really do is sit back and laugh. Like, get a load of this shit right here. Um, RIP to that segment on this, on this podcast, but I digress. But, you know, sometimes people just say such insane shit. You just got to shake your head and laugh. And that's really all you can do. I mean, there was a whole... There was a whole like sun and moon chart for Travis Kelsey that some somebody put together. One of the Swifties put together for. I mean, let's like. I mean, it is basically like one of those graphs you see from the analytical nerds put out, but just for like astrology shit. I mean, just wild, wild stuff. And I'm, you know what? I'm happy to see it for now. There was there was someone harkening uh, back to training camp when. Travis Kelsey punched a backup safety or whatever. Uh, you know, training camp fight. And one of the Swifties is worried about Taylor Swift because obviously this is this is a man that solves his problems with his fists when he gets frustrated and angry, and I'm worried about Taylor Swift. It's fine. It's fine. This is football. That's just that's just you know it's it's training camp. No worries about it. But I just I like to laugh at insane people sometimes. Sue me. So I I'm enjoying this thus far. Um, but hey, Travis Kelsey. Seemed like he stayed in the game after halftime for the sole purpose of getting a touchdown uh, in front of his his new girlfriend and his mom. Which, by the way, a girl that he's been dating for, I think, less than a month at this point, in the box with his mom. That's got to be an awkward situation. I mean, just an, just an awkward situation. I assume Taylor handled that handled that well. You saw her after the game uh, cleaning up some some beer bottles and whatnot. Always a good idea to clean up when the... When the uh, uh, the, the mother of your boyfriend is around, you know, good, good political move there. That's, that's, that's top notch right there. Uh, but Hey, outside of that, um, I'll leave the, uh, I'll leave the coverage of that whole situation, to the tabloids. How about that? Uh, for right now, the chiefs starting to round into form, nothing like the bears defense to cure some offensive woes that the chiefs have had so far this season. Uh, we'll see if they can keep it rolling with Patrick Mahomes at the helm. I've got I've got no uh, illusions to the contrary. I think they're going to round back into shape. The, the Chiefs always kind of start the season slow before rounding into shape uh, as it goes on. So I mean, the defense is as good as it has been uh, in the entire time that Patrick Mahomes has been with the Chiefs. So 
I think if they can get the offense up to a semi-good level, they should be the best team in the AFC once again. They're well on their way to doing so right now. Um, shocker of the day, the Cardinals at home host the Cowboys. Uh, Trayvon Diggs out with an ACL. Um, he, get, he injured that in practice at the end of last week. Um, initially wasn't sure what it was. You just saw him walking around in crutches at the, uh, well, I guess not walking around, but, uh, having, being on crutches, uh, at the end of practice last week. And then it comes out, he gets a, a torn ACL. That's a tough, tough loss for that secondary. I mean, he was really the crown jewel, uh, of that secondary. And without him in there, it's vulnerable. And you, you saw it in this one. Um, Josh Dobbs taking advantage of it a little bit. And the Cardinals coming out there against all odds. I thought the Cowboys would run away with this one, but the, the loss of Trayvon Diggs, very noticeable. They win 28 to 16. And, um, you got maybe. If you're looking for bad Dak interceptions, this this was the game for you, folks. This was the game for you because Dak had one that was just god-awful. I mean, there were three or four defenders in the area. It was like one of those passes, like, whenever I play Madden, every, I'm not very good at Madden, by the way. I'm just not that good at all. Um, whenever I play Madden, every once in a while when I'm passing the ball, I will see a guy in the middle of the field and think, yeah, that's open. Let me rifle that in there. And then all of a sudden, there's just three defenders and it gets picked off. That's pretty much exactly what Dak Prescott did in this one. Uh, it, and it was in the end zone, by the way. They were in the red zone on the verge of scoring at least a field goal. They get nothing out of it because Dak Prescott throws an interception, basically throws the game away. And um, they, they come out of this and they lose by double digits to the Cardinals, which... I mean, you got to worry about the Cowboys. The Cowboys is the Cowboys. This is why I was skeptical about giving them all their flowers last week. Because one, two weeks into the season, I've seen seen teams two weeks into the season absolutely crumble down the stretch. And um, I mean, hell, I've said it before on this podcast, really a couple weeks ago, I think. The Bears started 2-1 and one last year and had the number one overall pick. So... Just because you start well does not mean you're going to finish well. Uh, the Cowboys look dominant through the first two weeks, but... This type of stuff always seems to happen with the Cowboys, man. They're on the top of the world. The hype train is rolling. Then all of a sudden, derailment. The train is all over the place. They lose to the Cardinals by double digits to the Cardinals at that. And now you're just you're searching for answers. And I still think the Cowboys are a good team. Again, I'm not going to trust them until they do it in the playoffs, though, quite frankly. And on, on the other side for the Cardinals... You know, for all the shit that we gave Jonathan Gannon coming in with the pew, pew, pew shots, explosives. Um, by the way, Rondell Moore, 45-yard touchdown in this one. The guy that he, the subject of the pew, pew, pew shots, explosives uh, soundbite that we saw um, coming into the offseason. Um, he scored 45-yard touchdown, so you know, getting those shots and explosives going. It was a run, but minor details, minor details. Jonathan Gannon, he's a weird dude. No, no two ways about it. I think everything we've seen has indicated that he's definitely a weird dude. But damn it, if if they didn't like that guy, they wouldn't be playing this well. I think he's got he's done a really, really good job there with the Cardinals. That roster is garbage. Absolute garbage. You got Josh Dobbs starting at quarterback right now. Wide receivers aren't good. Offensive line is young and inexperienced, not that great. Defense, I mean, it's a skeleton crew. Uh, Buda Baker's not even out there right now. I mean, Dennis Gardeck's been playing well, so uh, credit there. Kaiser White had a really good game in this one, but... I mean, they've had a lead at a halftime in every single game this year. They coughed it up in the first two and then brought it all the way to the end in the third game. 
Jonathan Gannon's doing a hell of a job with the with the the Cardinals right now. Um, I hope he stays there for the long run because I think he's got a little bit of juice there. I, again, only three weeks in the season, so we can't make definitive statements right now. But with the way they've started this season, I still think the, the Cardinals are so far from a playoff team, it's almost laughable, especially in that division. They are by far the fourth best team in that division, especially with how, how much better than expected that the Rams have been playing thus far this year. But, man, for, from what I've seen thus far, uh, the Cardinals are going to be feisty this year, and I, I like what they're doing down there. I like what Jonathan Gannon is doing. Um, I, we for all the shit we gave him, we gave we gave Nick Sirianni all the shit in the world too when he was talking about uh, manure and flowers growing and and you know less thinking, more athlete take over. That's you know even with all that, look at what he's doing there with the uh, with, with the the Philadelphia Eagles. Jonathan Gannon, similarly strange guy. Look what he's doing now with the Cardinals. I mean, they're not good, but they are a feisty team every week. And they're not going to get blown out every week like I, like I expected them to coming into the end of the year. They've still got professional football players up and down the roster, as you do in the NFL. And they're they're playing like it. They're playing with some pride thus far in the, in the season. And like I said, really liking what Jonathan Gannon is doing down there in Arizona. Uh, let's move on to the Sunday night game. Uh, another, I mean, I don't even know who thought this was going to be a good game coming into the year. Um, that person needs to be found, and I need to have a strong conversation with them, because who the hell thought the Steelers and Raiders were going to be good teams? I, I mean, maybe the Steelers? Sh certainly the Steelers, I suppose, but who the hell thought the Raiders were going to be a good team this year with Jimmy G at quarterback and a Sunday night football-worthy team uh, at that? I hate it. Absolutely hate the Steelers uh, Raiders was on for Sunday night, but ended up being a solid game. So it is what it is. Um, Josh McDaniels made an oopsie uh oh down the stretch, kicking the field goal instead of going for it on fourth down. Um, I don't know why you did that. You're down eight points. Just, you know, go for the touchdown, go for the jugular, quite frankly. Um, that was a weird decision. In fact, their win probability actually went down after, <laughs> after kicking that field goal. So that was. That was wild. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo threw three interceptions, including one to seal the game. I mean, Devontae Adams had himself one. I mean, 13 receptions, 172 yards, two touchdowns in this one. Devontae Adams is unstoppable. What else is new? And especially against that Steelers defense, that's a very impressive performance. Uh, one of, if not the best receiver in the entire league right now. Um, yeah, Steelers just gritted out a win in this one. I mean, defense is still playing out of their minds. Kenny Pickett is playing better. Uh, Matt Cannon is now working more closely with Kenny Pickett, which not sure that's a good thing. But you know, good when you when your back is against the wall, the tendency to just firmly grasp control even more just seems more powerful than ever. It's it's crazy how that all seems to work. Happened with Bill O'Brien. Happened with Matt Canada. Now uh, Bill O'Brien with back with the Texans. If you remember, he just decided to make himself uh, the boss of literally everything. Just make himself the Bill Belichick of the Texans and uh, ended up being fired anyways. Feels like Matt Canada's doing that with the offense right now, just a, just a little bit. But um, I don't know. I, I guess you could say it was a bounce-back game for the Steelers offensively. Did they gain 400 yards of offense? No. They still haven't gained 400 yards of offense under Matt Canada uh, in a game. So what else is new? Najee Harris, uh, I just don't think he's good, man. I just He's got no top-end speed. Um, he's a physical back. If you need a couple yards, if you're on like a, a fourth and one, fourth and two situation, I'm handing the ball to Najee Harris for sure. But outside of those like short yardage, goal line situations, I just, I, he, he's certainly not a, a, a really, really top end running back in this league. I think there's, 
Uh, there's a reason that Jalen Warren's taken even more of a role in that backfield, but uh, even with that, I mean, you've got, I mean, Deontay Johnson is out right now, but you got one of the emerging stars at wide receiver in this league in George Pickens, who had a big time day in this one as well. I just don't see how you can't, like, get it going a little bit more. I mean, the offensive line is still a work in progress, I guess, but you should be better. They, they, they should be better on offense, though. A win is a win, so... There you have it. Raiders kind of stink. Steelers, with that defense, are going to be in just about every game uh, that they play. Let's move on to the Monday night games, though. And we'll hit on the Eagles-Bucks quickly because that one was, uh, you just uh, cue the Sarah McLaughlin. was not pretty. The Eagles dominated this one, 25-11. Uh, kind of a, a slow start. It was 3-0 after the first quarter, but uh, Eagles scored 10 in the, in the second quarter. Just absolutely stifled them down the stretch. Uh, Jalen Carter... People keep asking, and I'm going to, this is the one thing I'm going to touch down, touch on like a little bit in depth in this game because, I mean, DeAndre Swift, he's running behind the best offensive line in all of football. There, there are a couple screenshots of the holes he had to run through, and I, I'm going to say my, my 80-something-year-old grandfather, uh, Moose, love Moose, he could probably run for at least two yards uh, given the hole that he had in the center of that, in, in center of that offense. Uh, that's just the offensive line for the Eagles is just playing out of their minds right now. They've been doing that for the last several seasons, really. But all the people asking, how did the league let how did the league let Jalen Carter fall all the way to the Eagles? And uh, I'll tell you how, because he got in a street race with his teammate at Georgia, and his teammate at Georgia got in a severe car accident that killed him and a staffer. That's how he dropped all the way to the, to the Eagles. He dropped all. The, he was the best player in this past draft. Everyone knew that. There's just a little, just a little teensy weensy concern of you know him being involved in a car accident that killed two people. So all the people asking how the league let Jalen Carter get all the way down to the Eagles. There you go. He he played a role in having two. Well, not having two people, but two people dying. He played a role in that whole incident. So for all the people asking, there you go. There there's there's why he dropped all the way to the Eagles. With him being on the Eagles now, though, with the veteran presence on that defensive line, with Fletcher Cox right next to him. I mean, there is not a better spot for Jalen Carter to have gone to turn into an absolute superstar, and we're already seeing the superstar potential for Jalen Carter. He might already be the best interior defensive lineman on that team, and even with Fletcher Cox still there, he is emerging strongly right out of the gate, and the offense has not looked as good as it has in the past. The defense is still looking really, really solid for the Eagles right now. you got some concerns in the secondary with Bradbury's health. The safety situation still isn't everything that you were hoping it would be. Um, but I mean that defensive line, they just added another one with Jalen Carter, man. He's going to be a stud for a long, long time in the NFL, I think. And, uh, hell he's, I mean, with the, the rotation, they got a defensive tackle too, between him, Jordan Davis, uh, the guy that was starting over him at Georgia two years ago. I mean, just rotating in as well, that physical freak of a human, the Eagles, I mean, right just a shade, a, a touch behind uh, the 49ers in the NFC. It feels like they're on a collision course once again to meet in that conference championship this year. Now, boy, oh boy, it's still going to be a dandy. It's, you know, beyond those two teams, I don't know what the NFC is really going to look like, but 
Those top two look just about every bit as good as they did uh, this past season. And just just hope to God that you don't have um, Hassan Reddick come off the edge and just decisive Brock Purdy's UCL like it did this past year in the in the NFC Championship. That's all we can hope for. Just hope for a good game. Uh, but it feels like they're on a collision course once again uh, with a berth to the Super Bowl on the line. Projecting very far ahead right now, but that, that seems like what's going to happen there. Buc Buccaneers-wise, um... This is more of what I expected the Bucks to look like. Baker Mayfield looking out of sorts. Um, the offensive line not getting any push up front. They still can't run the ball worth a damn. Uh, you still got Baker Mayfield at quarterback. Mike Evans is fantastic, as, as we all knew already. He had an insane catch in this one, uh, one-handed across the middle, like behind him as well. I mean, just a freak, a, a shoe-in Hall of Famer, really, really good wide receiver, just stuck on a not very good offense. Defense is solid, but... Um, not great. They're going to probably win more games than I expected, but they're not a playoff team. And if they do get to the playoffs, they're going to going to get run out of the stadium by someone I can always almost guarantee. Uh, let's move on to the final game on the slate, though. The Rams visiting the Cincinnati Cincinnati Bengals. They got a completely immobile Joe Burrow out there. The calf injury. He was not looking healthy at all. I mean, it's basically just death by a thousand paper cuts against the Rams, and it ended up working out. I mean, Jamar Chase. Slow start to the season, but he exploded in this one. 12 receptions, 141 yards. Um, Joe Burrow passed about a million times. I mean, damn near 50 times in this game. Uh, the, the yards per attempt was really, really low. Aaron Donald was having a night. I mean, absolutely spectacular all night in this thing. And let me let me see if I can load this up in a reasonable amount of time. Because he, he had a pretty good day. Um, Aaron Donald, I guess it was two half sacks, so ended up with one full sack on the day, two tackles for loss on the day as well. Um, they, they, he looked good at the very least. It seemed like every bit of his, his self uh, coming into this year. It looks like another year where Aaron Donald's going to be dominant in the center of that defense, but outside of that, even with Joe Burrow being hobbled, passing 49 times, a robust 5.3 yards per attempt, didn't throw a touchdown, but... Joe Mixon was running the ball well enough. Jamar Chase was playing well enough. Um, the Rams made it close there at the end, scored a touchdown in the fourth quarter to make it a three-point game. But ultimately, uh, the Bengals just eked one out, and they got a, I mean, avoided going 0-3, got a tough, gutsy win in this one. And that's really all you can all you can ask for if you are a if you're a Bengals fan coming into this thing. Joe Burrow didn't get hurt. You got to win, and you're uh, at the very least not 0-3 in a tough, tough division. Um, what's Joe Burrow going to look like going forward? That's the big question. And if he can't get healthy throughout the course of the season, the Bengals don't have a shot. But uh, Lou Anarumo uh, just dialing things up. Trey Hendrickson had himself a night in this one. Uh, I think yeah, two sacks in this one. Only two tackles, but two sacks, two two QB hits. Was getting pressure all night. Uh, DJ Reader, BJ Hill also had sacks. As, as a team, actually, they had six sacks, did the Cincinnati Bengals. Lou Anarumo just dialing up all sorts of pressure in this one. And a guy that they really needed to step up coming into this year, uh, Dax Hill, uh, stepping in for whether it's it's Jesse Bates or the other guy whose name escapes me that they lost uh, in this offseason. Uh, losing both safeties this offseason, they needed Dax Hill, former first-round pick, to step up big time. And what did he do? He got two tackles for loss, got a sack in this one. He's really playing well uh, throughout the course of this early season. Also, Logan Wilson, two interceptions in this game. Uh, the Bengals' defense might be what they need to continue winning games uh, going forward. Uh 
We'll, we'll have to wait and see on the health of Joe Burrow. Uh, didn't look great in this one, but it was good enough to win them the game. Only one turnover, so that's that's really all you can ask with him being as hobbled and immobile as he has been uh, with that calf injury. So uh, hopefully he continues to progress health-wise. Um, if not, it just feels like they're going to fall by the wayside. This might end up being like just short of a playoff berth. And if they do go to the playoffs this year, uh, we'll see. Look out if Joe Burrow is healthy by that time. They might be able to, to sneak in towards the AFC Championship once again. But it, it's looking like a tough, tough hill to uh, to climb this year. Uh, interested to see if the Bengals can ultimately uh, get the job done uh, when it's all said and done. Oh, by the way, Puki Nakuki, Puki Nakua, had a solid game. Five receptions, 72 yards. Not nearly what he's been doing in the first couple games, though. Good job by Luana Rumo and that defense to kind of bottle him up in this game. Outside of that, though, I think that's, that's pretty much it. We got to the very end of the slate for last week, so let's look forward to this coming week, shall we? And uh, as far as the bets are concerned, right now, all I've got is, like I said in the last episode, I'm going to bet Washington. I just found uh, uh, better than 18. It was 17 and a half, so I took that. Uh, I think that was on... Uh, Caesar Sportsbook, I want to say I, I took it. So yeah, I've got that. that. That's in the books right now. But other than that, honestly, have not looked at all at the NFL slate. Have not had a whole lot of time to do so. Just, you know, working and whatnot. Uh, so let's just go through and see if we can find some bets here for this coming week. Um, Thursday night, got the Lions versus the Packers. Lions favored by one and a half. Um, you can get one at a points bet right now. And Caesars, you can get one as well. Um, outside of that, though, I, I don't have a great feel on this game. Uh, Packers, I mean, they, they got to come back last week. It's an interdivisional game, too. Uh, the, the two best teams in the NFC North, I'd say, probably by far at this point. I mean, the, the Bears and Vikings have not been good this year. The Bears are a special kind of bad, but the Vikings have just not been good at all this year as well. So this will be a, a consequential game as we get through uh, the course of the season. I think both teams realize that, so I'm kind of staying away from this one. Uh, Over-under is 45 and a half which you can get at BetMGM right now. And BetMGM and FanDuel have 45 and a half. The rest of them are pretty much up to 46 at this point. I don't got a great feel on that one. I think the Lions and the Packers have played fairly well defensively this year, so I'm kind of staying away from that one. I'm scared off by the Falcons last week. Um, speaking of those Falcons, talking about the London game this time. I almost said 1 o'clock, but it's a London game. And, he, hey, you can watch you can watch the Toy Story Nickelodeon version of this uh, on Nickelodeon, I suppose. I don't know I don't know what the hell that is, but if you got kids, go ahead and watch that, I suppose. Um, outside of that, Falcons are playing the Jaguars in London. Home game for the Jaguars, obviously. Probably going to be actually their home here uh, in the course of the next few years. And um, I'm dangerously tempted to take the Falcons at plus three and a half. The Jaguars have played bad, absolutely terrible throughout the course of this season th thus far. Inconsistent on offense as well. Uh, the minus three, though, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't have a great feel on this one. If I can find better bets, I'm going to try and find those better bets. I'll just put it to you that way. Um, Over-under is 43 Falcons have scared me off from the over-unders for them. I think their defense is good enough to hold some teams down, and their offense is just inconsistent. I don't I don't know what to get from them on any given week, so I'll stay away from that one. Um, the Someone has to win bowl. We got two of them this week. Uh, the Broncos versus the Bears. Um, Broncos are favored by three at this point, and if it wasn't... <laughs> 
If it wasn't the Broncos, I might take that three because the Bears are just that terribly awful. Uh, but I'll probably stay away. Uh, it's three and a half in most places, but it's three at DraftKings right now. So if you want to get that, if you want to get that hot minus three action for the Broncos, going to want to head to DraftKings very quickly because it feels like that one's going to change at some point, especially with the rest of them all being at three and a half right now. Um, no great feel in this game, so I'll, I'll stay away from that. Over unders forty six. That's entirely too high. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not going to bet the under because I don't know what either of these defenses are going to do. But I don't really trust either of these offenses either. So I'm staying away from that one. Um, Ravens on the road at the Browns. They will be uh, plus two and a half, minus two and a half. It's two and a half across the board. Uh, Sportsbook seem pretty much in lockstep on this one. So. I don't have a great feel on this one either. I think the Browns are probably um, the best team in that division, like I said. But I'm—I'll be damned if I put my hard-earned money on the on the Cleveland Browns. I'll put it—I'll put it to you that way. Minus two and a half. I think they probably should cover that one, but who knows? The Ravens are still a really good team in their own right. So I don't—I don't have a great feel on who's going to win that game. Over under forty-one. I'm honestly tempted to take the under. Quite frankly, I think it might be might might be an absolute rock fight of a game when we get into it, but. 41 is just, it's too low of a number for me to take the under on that, so I'll stay away from that one as well. Uh, Bengals versus Titans on the road at the Titans. Titans are uh, plus two and a half, and you can get that in most places. Uh, Bengals minus two, you can get that at basically just points bet. Uh, points bet and just points bet. That, that, that's all. So if you want to get that, that hot minus two action, still holding strong at, at, at minus 110. On the uh, on the odds, so might have some time to just wait on that one. But I don't I don't have. I mean, I never I never know what to expect from the Titans. Frankly, with Mike Vrabel in the fold, there they got a bad roster, but Mike Vrabel's a hell of a coach. So I'm definitely staying away from that. Over unders 41 or 41 and a half. I'm staying away from that as well. If you want the over, Fanduel actually has 40 and a half. So that's probably the way that you want to go with that one. I'm not going to bet my harder money on the over in this in this matchup, though. It feels like it might end up being a rock fight. Get just too low of a number for me to take the under, though, so I'm staying away. Um, Dolphins at the Bills. That is uh, minus three and a half, or minus three. Uh, you can get minus three for the Bills. You can get minus two and a half at Caesars, BetMGM, and it looks like that's pretty much it. Yeah, you can you can get it at those two places pretty much uh, if you're trying to bet on the Bills. Uh, Dolphins are plus three everywhere else pretty much though. So if you want to go with them, go right ahead. <sighs> if this were in Miami, I would take the Dolphins in a heartbeat. It's just these teams are just so good. And again, the fact that this is a 1 p.m. game, someone should be tried for a crime. Someone should be sent to prison for, for scheduling this at 1 p.m. You knew both of these teams were probably going to be good coming into the season, and you still put them at 1 p.m. Just a disgrace. Just a disgrace. Who are you putting at 4 p.m.? The fucking Cowboys? Goddamn ab absolute abhorrence. Absolute abhorrence. I can't I can't abide such idiocy. Uh, any longer uh, over unders 53 and a half and I am just mm, I'm so tempted I'm I'm so tempted folks it's gonna be it's gonna be a high flying affair the Bills defense played very very well last week let's let's put that on hold for just a second I might come back to this one and make it a part of my bet slip this week but for right now just call it a lean to the over at 53 and a half and that's 53 and a half across the board pretty much uh, looks like you can get the best odds on that 53 and a half at FanDuel right now. Hell, you may want to wait if it drops, but everywhere else is 53 and a half, and they're steady at 53 and a half. So I'd imagine it's probably going to stay put uh, if I had to guess. 
Um, another 1 p.m. game, Commies at Eagles. Uh, Eagles are minus eight favorites, eight and a half. You, uh, you can get that. If you're trying to bet on the Commanders, eight and a half, you can get uh, at uh, BetMGM, DraftKings, and not DraftKings, FanDuel. And, uh, yeah, th those are your, your only two destinations for that plus eight and a half. Uh, minus eight, you can get pretty much everywhere else. I, this just, with how the Bills played against the Commies last week, I would, I would imagine maybe the Eagles come out there and step on their throats, but the Commies have had the Eagles number, uh, off and on here over the last couple years. And things get weird in interdivisional games, so I'm staying away from that one. Uh, over-unders 43 and a half or 44, 44 and a half. Um, I'm staying away from that one too. I just don't have any faith in the commanders to score points in this game. Um, another game, Buccaneers at Saints. Uh, line is three in favor of the Saints. So you can get three and a half for the Buccaneers at points bet, bet MGM, uh, bet rivers. And I think that's it. Yeah. Uh, outside of that, um, you can get the three everywhere else. So there you go. There, there's your deductive reasoning right there. Um, I don't have a great feel on the spread in this game. I think it always kind of gets a little strange with the interdivisional stuff. But even at 40 and a half, even at 40 and a half right now, especially if Derek Carr isn't healthy, I might lean for the under. I, I, it's, it's, a really, it's a really, really low number. But it was a really low number for the Packers last week, and they they hit that one with ease at 35 for the total in that game. I might I might put a few shekels on that one. Put that one on ice for just a second. We'll come on back to it. Um, Vikings versus Panthers is three and a half across the board. Vikings are favored by three and a half on the road uh, versus the Panthers. And you know I have no faith in the Vikings to win a football game. They should win this football game. They should probably cover. I'm not going to put my hard-earned money on that. I'll tell you that right now. So staying, staying away from that for sure on the, on the spread. Over-under is 45.5 in every place except for DraftKings. They have 45 right now. Um, hmm. Man, I got burned last week on the Vikings over under. I don't have a whole lot of faith in the Panthers to score a lot of points either, so I'm just I'm staying away from it. I call me a big fat pussy, but I'm just, I'm just staying away from it. I don't I don't feel good about it either way. Uh so we'll just keep it moving there. Just Vikings are sad. The Panthers might be even sadder, but the Vikings are sad. Uh Rams visiting the Colts. Uh you can get plus one and a half on the Rams at I believe it's just FanDuel right now. Yep, that's that's the one. If you, minus one if for the Colts everywhere else uh, at home. Is Anthony Richardson going to play? It looks like he's progressing well in that direction. Have to see how he progresses through the concussion protocol and all that sort of stuff. Um, keep an eye on that. Over-under is 46.5. And with both of these teams, they have a, a, a tendency to get into rock fights every once in a while. So I'm not feeling good about that 46 and a half either. Um, should be a good game though. Colts and Colts and Rams playing a good game over there. It's the 1 PM slot. Uh, Steelers visiting the Texans. Steelers are currently a minus three favorite and that is across the board. There is no uh, deviation whatsoever. Sportsbooks seem to be pretty much in lockstep on that one. Hmm. I might, I might lean the Steelers in this game. But I just don't. Mm, the Texans are feisty. Texans are feisty, man. I don't know. I don't know how good I feel about that one. Put a pin in that one. We'll come back to it uh, later if need be. I think I am adding this one to the uh, to the to the the docket though. Um, 
Raiders, uh, Chargers, it's five and a half across the board. I think he gets six at uh, at Rivers. Um, I'm probably going to stay away from the spread in this one because both of these teams are inherently unreliable. And again, interdivision games, so things get weird. What I am going to add, though, uh, right now it is 47 and a half on the over-under. I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add the 47 and a half to the bet slip right now. Um, you get 47 and a half at, at BetMGM. Um, and pretty much that's it. It looks like everyone, uh, you can also get it at DraftKings as well. Pretty much everywhere else has moved to either 48 or FanDuel's even up at 48 and a half uh, at this point. So I'm moving on that 47 and a half and we're making it part of the bet slip right now. So that is a uh, Washington minus 17, uh, Raiders chargers over 47 and a half. I'm adding that as well. Um, what's up next? Uh, Cardinals are plus 14, uh, underdogs to the, San Francisco 49ers who they're visiting and just talked about how feisty the Cardinals are even with that though they're facing an absolute buzzsaw and I cannot I cannot put my hard-earned money on the Cardinals at plus 14 in this one I'd love to if it were any other opponent I'd be putting that that money on the Cardinals right now but the 49ers are just they're an absolute wagon they're a wagon filled with 15 tons of just pure granite and they're just bulldozing through people um, I'm staying away from that one right now they're just they're just too good of a football team over under is at uh, 44 in most places if you're looking at the over it's 43 and a half at FanDuel so take that for what it is I suppose we'll just keep moving though I don't have a great feel on that over under so I'm staying away from it um, Patriots versus Cowboys uh, Cowboys are a minus seven favorite in most places uh, if you're looking for that six and a half FanDuel's got you covered at six and a half at least for right now oh I guess FanDuel DraftKings uh, and Rivers all have a six and a half as well, but it's minus 120 uh, right now to the uh, the minus six and a half for Fanduel, which tells me it's probably moving to seven here at some point here in the in the near future. Um, might want to get that soon. Might might want to get that soon if you want to keep uh, with uh, the six and a half. Um, I'm I'm staying away from this one. I don't have any faith in the Cowboys, and I have even less faith in the Patriots. So I have no idea what's going to happen there. Slightly into the under on the 43 and a half. I, I think both these defenses are going to have a pretty good amount of success. Uh, we'll come back to that one. Might end up adding that to the bet slip, but I need to see what else is on uh, the docket for the games. Um, this one is the Sunday night game. Chiefs at the Jets. Uh, Chiefs are nine and a half point favorites on the road. Uh, you can get 10 on the Jets if you go to DraftKings. Everywhere else is nine and a half, though, and... The, the Chiefs are allergic to covering. They'll win a bunch of games, but they're allergic to covering. So I'm not, I'm staying away from that one. I don't, I don't have a great feel on that. Over-unders, 41 and a half. Well, it's, it's 41 and a half at points bet. It's like 42 or 42 and a half everywhere. Also 41 and a half at DraftKings as well. Um, I don't have a great feel on that. So I'm, I'm probably staying away from it. And the Jet, both of these defenses are really solid this year. So at 41 and a half, I don't know. I'm not going to lean the under because there's there's Patrick Mahomes is playing in this game. So if you, if you ever forgot, um, but if you were in fact looking to bet the under, Caesars has got 42 and a, uh, bet MGM Caesars and FanDuel all have 42 and a half. So that's where you're going to get your best numbers if you're looking for the under. Um, no great feel on that game though. Like I said, so we'll we'll just keep it moving. Um, this is another. I mean, 
absolutely abhorrent night game that they put on the Monday night this week. Uh, Seahawks visiting the Giants. The Seahawks are plus one and a half dogs on the road. Uh, at the Giants, you can get plus one and a half at uh, BetMGM and FanDuel. And I'm adding it. I'm adding that to the bet slip. Seahawks plus one and a half. Um, I, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, hell, might even just bet the money line because in a lot of places you can get a little bit of plus money there. And if if they're covering plus one and a half, they're probably winning too. So, I mean, might might bet the money line. For the purposes of this show, though, we're betting the plus one and a half, um, adding that to the slip. So, with that, we got three bets now. Washington minus uh, 17 and a half versus whatever poor hapless team they're playing this week. Um, we have got the... Uh, Raiders, Chargers at over 47 and a half. And now we got the Seahawks at plus one and a half. Let's scroll back through and see if we can add one more to the slate just to make it a nice, you know, we're keep it consistent with four bets a week. Um, what do we got? What do we got? What do we got? Scrolling back through. You know what? Let's let's bet the fun over here, and that that's the that's the uh, the final piece of this puzzle. Over fifty three and a half. That number burned me last week. Uh, I'm hoping it doesn't burn me again. The Dolphins just scored seventy all on their own. So Dolphins Bills over fifty three and a half. That'll be my fourth bet. So with that said, to sum it all up, we have got Washington minus seventeen and a half. We have got. The Dolphins and Bills over 53 and a half. Raiders Chargers over 47 and a half. And the Seahawks at plus one and a half. There you go. There's my bets. Let's go win all the money. We're 500 right now, six and six on the season. Let's let's just break that glass ceiling and get over into the uh, above 500 range and start, you know, on the road to profitability, to cash flow, to cash flow. And with that, uh, that'll be all for this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in to Unqualified Analysis. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, go ahead, like, subscribe, share all that good stuff. Go follow me on uh, Twitter at Caleb Verzak if you want to. Link will be in the description if you do want to go do that. Also, it's Twitter X. Who the hell cares? Um, uh, go fuck yourself. There we go. Um, Outside of that, what else do I got to plug? Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel as well if you're listening on podcast. If you're listening or watching on YouTube, go over to the podcast. Subscribe to there as well. Outside of that, though, um, yeah, if you want to contact the show, shoot me a DM on Twitter. Um, like I said, at Caleb Verzak. If you don't want to do, do that route, if you want to email me, got an email, unqualifiedanalysis at gmail.com. That'll be in the description as well. And, uh, yeah, thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, as always, got no clue what I'm talking about, but uh, one thing I learned this week, and I learned this like just yesterday actually, just beat the buzzer on adding this fun fact in there, water is not a mineral, but ice is. Think about that one, that's a real, that's a real uh, brain twister for you. Uh, I will see y'all next week, enjoy the football weekend, I know I will whenever I'm able to watch it.